Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a podcast from a Kiwi chick, chocker with roleplay gaming chat and world lore of the most fantasy place ever, Aotearoa, New Zealand. Chur. Hey Jules, Jason here. As far as the your character and your game, I, I wish I had a good answer for you, I really do. But I don't. I, I think it's just going to be a matter of time and playing other games and, and you know, other characters. I, I look forward to hopefully somebody can give you more solid advice on that. But I think maybe keeping your mind occupied is a good thing here. So, But, yeah, I, I wish I had a better answer. As far as not inviting you to the St. Patrick's Day thing, man, I... I got to be honest, we, we were doing over in the audio dungeon. I didn't even think about inviting people that weren't on there. And it was one of those things that just, I'm sorry, I, I screwed up. I have no excuse in making a note here to make sure that you're invited to the future ones. So, in fact, you're gonna we're going to build the future one around your schedule. How about that? Yo, Jules, I am so, so sorry about Marley. That absolutely sucks, man. I really hope you talk to the Dungeon Master of Fate of Ison to let them know how you're feeling, because I think that's really important. Yeah, endings suck, man, especially when they end in such an unsatisfying way. It's it's fucking shitty feeling, but endings and failure are just, they're part of life. They're part of the cycle, and as long as we can learn from them, ultimately... They're positive, even though it doesn't feel that way. But yeah, you know, maybe one day, because like you said, Marley's not dead. You'll dust off those 20th level characters and Marley will have her revenge and that'll be awesome. Or maybe you'll find another character that you play for a million years and fall in love with. But either way, Marley rules, you rule, and yeah. Thanks, Jace and Joey. Um, You'll hear more again from them later in the episode, but I wanted to start with those because um, I published that episode and then literally, you know, went to sleep that night and and the next morning when I woke up, there was seven messages uh, from those two, some of which were trying to cheer me up and um, some of which were engaging with the podcast and and I just want to say a big thank you for... uh, making me wake up the next day with a completely different mindset um, than I had gone to sleep with, you know, that day after still feeling bad about, you know, everything after having recorded it. Although I do find that talking into a void helps get some of the blech out of your head and um, into somewhere else. And, and that definitely does help. So, um, yeah, that's why... Their voices are the first voices that you hear on the podcast. And I haven't even said good morning. Uh, Morena, everyone. Kia ora. Tēnā koutou. Katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. How are you? How am I? How is everything? I, I'm good. I'm good. Yes. Uh pai. I'm good. I'm, it's been a, a, a week, 
Um, there hasn't been anywhere near as much gaming already, but like, okay, well, let's start from the start. So when I recorded this episode and released it, it was Thursday last week. means nothing to you, but it means everything to me because uh, we had several games after that. So after Thursday uh, came another game of Fate of Eisen and, and, um, I wasn't really looking forward to it because I guess because of what had happened with Marley and um, without trying to do any spoilers, um, me being bummed about it, you know. Uh, so we had the last game with um, my other crew from that. So I, I've talked about this before, but uh, we actually started that podcast as a group of friends just playing some Pathfinder around a table together, not recording anything and just playing around with getting back into role play because we'd all not really been in either we'd taken a break from it or we hadn't really played it much um, before. So so we started back then. Um, Sasha was built as Pathfinder character, uh, Pathfinder 2 um, and I didn't really know what I was doing, honestly, building characters. So Sasha isn't terribly well made. Um, and then we decided to do this recording thing. Uh, and and Sasha and her crew uh, existed in the world. So we transported them also over into um, D&D 5th Edition uh, from Pathfinder 2E. Mainly... Because of D and D Beyond um, and keeping things simple, it was easier to play one game system than it was two in the same world. Uh, just for ease purposes, uh, we were going to meet the same NPCs, some of the same um, big bads, so it just was easier. Um, so we transported over, and I had to keep her being. Uh, I already knew she was kind of badly made, but I had to keep her stats and things being mostly the same. So I did my best to bring her over as badly built as she was. <laughs> so um, I am I'm emotionally attached to Sasha, but she's already been through a lot of change in her life, uh, and um, and and has been yeah yeah. So her storyline is one um, that has been sunk into the podcast all the way through. She she features at the very start of it even though she doesn't appear at the start of the podcast, um, her life and her legacy and the things that have happened to her had big impact on the world. Um, yeah, she she is, for instance, when the podcast starts, the only one of dragon blood that exists in the world because basically she got zapped into the world. Uh, she did not know why at the time. Uh, she was actually brought into being by uh, one of the demons working for the big, big bad, uh, who needed her to be in the world in order to do some of the things that he wanted to do. So she was a pawn in a game before she even knew what she was doing or, or who she was really or uh, anything. She, she's an orphan, standard D&D trope, um, but true uh, because her parents had zapped her from the world. They'd literally sent her to another plane of existence to save her, and uh, they thought they had. And, and she was living an okay life over there, even though she was a little bit weird and didn't really understand why her, her the things that she could do or the things that she knew instinctively how to do um, – were the case but and everybody treated her a little bit weird because of that at the orphanage but um you know she was living okay 
until she literally got zapped out of that existence and into a brand new one with no idea why. So that's kind of how her story sort of started. Well, sort of. I say sort of because originally we did actually play in the world that she began in um, for a few sessions before we moved to Aizen as we know it now. And I think that's mostly because our DM was getting used to his DM legs. You know, things had to change once he found his stride. So, yeah. Um, so we had that game. The last game I will ever play with Sasha. She never gets to level 20. Um, she only gets to level 16, which makes me sad for her. But that's just facts and that's just how it is. We were taking on a lesser problem because our characters there now became a lesser piece of the world. Like, they've been there for longer, but they weren't the main heroes, which kind of makes me sad for Sasha. But, you know. That is what it is. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I guess I wasn't really looking forward to it because I was I was, I was, was already gearing up because the things that had happened to Mali existed in the same world, right? So those things will happen no matter what. Um, and Sasha had to play her piece of the fight out. Um, no, Like, with Jules knowing that that was going to happen, that ending was going to happen no matter what we did here. So it felt like... In, in part, like, what we were doing didn't really matter, even though it did matter. It matters a lot, but it sort of, in that, like, when I was thinking about the game, felt like it didn't matter. Um, but, yeah, I had a great time. I had a great time. We had some uh, some people who were playing with us as guests who have been guest NPCs previously, and it was really fun to have them back on and be playing with them. Um, and I don't know, just, it actually cheered me up quite a lot. I, I thought it wasn't going to, I thought it would feel like this depressing march towards, you know, the inevitable, but it just didn't really, because Sasha doesn't know that. And once I remembered that and tried not to metagame, she's just working her butt off to try and do what she can do. Um, I blew everything in Sasha's arsenal. She, she literally had no spell slots, you know, no sorcery points. Oh, well, she had like two sorcery points, I think, and a few spell slots. But like none of the high level stuff. She she used everything in her arsenal to make sure that she did her part. And and that felt better too. You know, I played her better. I, I fought harder. I made better choices. I, I saved my friends, you know. Um, the whole thing really felt good. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. And then on Sunday, we got to play an awesome game of Wrath of the Righteous uh, with Joey, and I love that game. I got to play the part of the other paladin uh, because one of our party was away. So uh, it was it was me, my paladin, and their paladin. And I'm going to use that as an excuse for missing completely the setup that Joey gave us at the start um, because I didn't hear him tell us that, you know, basically these mongrel men from the Wrath of the Righteous Path where we were underground sort of wanted to give up and not be fought because if Haven had realized that, she totally would have been like, whoa, 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 guys, like maybe we should just let them go because we're not evil and we're not about that wholesale slaughter, murder hobo life. But I didn't hear that because I was busy reading Woody's character sheet to get familiar with um, how Patio Slate first actually fought and what he did and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. Okay, yeah. Uh, I see what's happening here. And then um, I sort of 
popped back over to the game and our uh, Dwarven Monk was, was, was fighting. So I backed him, you know, he's going in for the fight. Uh, Haven is going to support that, you know, uh, that's all that was really running through my head. And so um, I slaughtered some people I probably shouldn't. And, and um, I think Haven's going to have some thoughts about that because Haven will have heard that. Jules didn't. Jules played Haven badly. Uh, Jules let Haven down. So um, Haven's probably going to have some thoughts about what happened there, um, which will be interesting to kind of role play out. But, yeah. Um, and then we did um, on uh, – so I had to bugger off and leave that game quickly um, because I had um, some people coming around to my house to play D&D. I love in-person games, and we never get to play them, so it was very exciting. Um, I had my Icewind Dale group coming back again. We haven't played since before Christmas, so just because of the way things have been with COVID and, and a whole lot of other stuff going on, um, we have just not been able to get together. My life is crazy busy, and sickness happens and stuff like that. So we had... Uh, the party turn up and uh, I had had to do a lot of research on Saturday to remember where we were, what we were doing, what happens next, what happens if they do this, blah, 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 just to um, gear myself up. And I realized that we had left uh, them in an icy cavern looking for some um, fishermen who had gone missing. Uh, They had recently fought a water weird uh, that they had broken out of a waterfall accidentally by falling on it a frozen waterfall they had uh, broken the ice and this water weird came out and so they had to fight that but they were in a very dangerous cavern they were about to walk into a room with a giant and this is very much spoilers for Icewind Dale um so if you don't want to listen to this I know skip ahead a couple of minutes um they're about to walk into a room with a giant um frost giant skeleton who is partially encased in ice, partially encased so they can hit it, but it has to spend two rounds getting out because they are only third level, which means they're squishy still a little bit. Um, So a giant frost, giant stare or breath or whatever it is that he does as his range attack um, is pretty terrifying if you get hit with that at that level. So they have two turns to basically wail on this dude before he gets out of the ice and starts wailing back. So, um, yeah, so I'd left them just before that. And I was like, ooh, fun. Uh, and, <laughs> um, and then further in on the cavern, uh, if they get past that, there was a hag who was in there. Um, basically, she'd been slaughtering uh, anybody who came near uh, and adding them to her stew. She has a big old cauldron, a cauldron of plenty, uh, which creates stew magically. Uh, If you add water to the cauldron, it just makes tasty stew. Uh, But she thought it was a bit bland and a bit boring. So she's been adding human uh, in there uh, for some some kick, for some spice, for some flavor. Uh, And so when they break into the room, they're going to see her literally um, pulling the large intestine out of the corpse next to her and just kind of like feeding it into the stew pot and stirring it. So um, it's going to be awesome. Um, um, It is going to be awesome. It was going to be awesome and I was looking forward to it and it was. It was truly amazing. Um, We had a really great game. They did manage to wail on the frost giant 
skeleton um, quite well, uh, really, you know, sort of smashing him. But um, what I had done just after the Wrath of Righteous game is I had glued together one of the minis that I had bought. It's not a frost giant skeleton, and I really wish it had been, but I don't have one, and I couldn't find one. But I did find the frost giant Ravager. Um, it's a bit bigger, it's a bit meatier, and it's stat block, but I was just going to run the stat block of the skeleton, but put this Ravager down on the table. Um, because I just really wanted them to see the size difference, and this Ravager is quite big compared to the minis <laughs> that they have. It was like maybe five times higher, and you know, like it took up five times the amount of base space and stuff. So I slapped that down on the table when they walked into the room. They were like, Oh, get ah! um, which was pretty fun, it was a pretty fun reaction. So, uh, I had spent some time gluing that together and having a lot of fun with it. I'm I say a lot of fun kind of in that tone because uh, these minis, these collector series minis, I want to talk a little bit more about them later, but um, they come in pieces and you have to kind of glue the pieces together and then then you paint it and decorate it and do whatever you want. Um, But they don't really fit that well. Um, I'd actually bought a whole lot of tools uh, from Army Painter. I bought some files. I bought some hobby knives. I bought some sculpting tools for like... Um, the green stuff, you know, two-part epoxy clay that you can mix together and make, um, you know, sort of fill in holes and, and create shapes and stuff. So I bought all of that and I've been waiting for all of that to turn up and all of that's here now. So I, and then I learned to trick that if you soak them in hot water a little bit, they're kind of a little bit more malleable to put together so they actually fit into where they're supposed to fit. So I did the, all of that um, the Frost Giant Ravager came together quite nicely, but I have some words to say about the um, Chardalin or the Chardalin. I don't know how to say that. Dragon. Um, that's from the same set. It is not as pretty, and I will talk about that another recording because this has already been a long chunk. So um, they did that. They uh, were very impressed with my mini, which made me very happy. Um, and then uh, they played out the game. They ended up letting the hag go when she negotiated um she was going to give them the cauldron she was going to find them some treasure they have no way of knowing if that's true they rolled an insight check they figured they were trusting her and so they let her go so maud chiselbone the hag who eats people lives to see another day uh and uh they grabbed her cauldron uh the fur bog actually ate some of it um Apparently, they decided that human was tasty, which quite offended the only human in the party. Um, <laughs> and that was a fun moment. Uh, before they tipped it out, she grabbed some in a Tupperware container too, uh, <laughs> to, you know, hit for later. Um, and then they continued to clear out the rest of this cabin. Now, I'm not going to spoil the rest of it, but um, they had some fun clearing out this cabin and finding the other things that were in it. Then they took the cauldron of plenty back to... Um, East Haven, where they came from, told the captain that they had not, well, they had found the fishermen, but they had not found them alive. Uh, and he gave them the the things he had promised to give them in return. And then they sort of parked up in a local um, place with this cauldron that they had dragged through town, looking all fancy um, and expensive. And through a town that its motto of the town is watch thy purse because it's full of thieves. So I decided that I would roll some stuff in the background and I did. And I basically rolled that um, somebody had noticed them. Somebody was interested enough in trying to steal it um, and that it would happen tonight. 
you know, so it's basically what I rolled up. Um, and, um, the, the party was smart enough to put an alarm spell around the cauldron before they left. And, um, they, they took off with this alarm spell firmly on the cauldron and, um, then did some stuff around town. Again, trying not to do all spoilers so that if you're playing Icewind Dale, some of this stuff isn't new to you. Um, is new to you. God, what am I saying? Um, and then, uh, they, obviously, uh, the alarm went off, um, because someone was trying to steal it. And, uh, they get there in time to see the cauldron, like, has been thrown out the window. Um, somebody is leaping after it. And then there is somebody down there casting a spell. And, uh, they don't know, but they figure out later that she is casting Identify on it because they don't know what it does, but they're pretty sure it's magic, right? And so she's casting Identify and then they had a bit of a fight, like they were going a couple of rounds of fighting and stuff. And then I was like, she gasps, she goes, I know what this does, get it out of here. And, and they start hauling ass. Um, because obviously in a, in a place like Icewind Dale is, um, short of food everywhere every no one has food in plentiful amounts but this is a cauldron which just supplies food for the price of water and that's it uh and it feeds a lot of people um i think each gallon feeds four people for like a day and it can it can take 30 gallons at a time and it can do that three times a day so that's a lot of people that it's feeding uh, for no real cost. So um, as soon as she realizes what it does and what it is and stuff, she's like, okay, well, I can sell this or use this or, or become the most powerful force with, with food supply. Um, so she, she obviously wants to grab this. So they're in a tough fight, and that's kind of where we left things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when we go back to that. Yeah. So, I mean, Jace, you said at the top, you know, like we're going to play some games and hopefully that'll, you know, make you feel better about things and stuff. And it did. Yeah. So it's it's Thursday. Uh, no, it's Wednesday today. Um, and I've played those games and I do. I, I, I feel better. Um, I still kind of hate what happened, but um, all of these games, they remind me that games go on and there will be other characters I fall in love with and there'll be other games that I play that I love as much. Um, Yeah, there will be. I mean, I'm already loving my Wrath of the Righteous game that I'm playing in and I love being that person to other people, you know, the fact that I get to sit down and run games for others that they are so invested in, you know, that just um stressed about all the time you know their characters you know not dying like dying or making the wrong choices or you know like they they have half an hour arguments about what they want to do with stuff because it matters so much you know because we've I've helped build a world along with them because we've constructed it together that that they care about so so yeah playing games does make me feel better so yeah that's my long way of saying that. God, I've been talking for a long time. <laughs> anyway, let me get out of here. Uh, I think um, Jace and Joey have more to say, so I'm going to let them say some stuff now. Okay, bye. But on a less somber note, I want to say that your story 
about Ireland and going to the Bush Mills distillery was amazing. I I was laughing my ass off thinking about you getting wasted on hot toddies and going out, fighting the wind, standing at the Giants Causeway on top of rocks, screaming into it like you're on a friggin' pirate ship in the middle of the ocean yelling at the storm. Uh, that was awesome, dude. Thank you for sharing that. And you didn't have dice with you. Now, I, I've got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed, but there's a rookie mistake. This is okay. We can, You can get past this. You know, this is an easy fix. As I'm talking to you, I'm driving to work in the car, hands-free as far as everybody knows. And when I reach a hand into my jacket pocket... I can feel a Ziploc bag with three dice in it because I carry dice everywhere I go. And those dice that are in my pocket are 2D12 and a D20. And you ask, why 2D12 and a D20? Well, because I can duplicate any die roll I need to with that combination. I can do a D4, I can do a D6, I can do a D8, a D10, a D12, D20, and do D percentile. I can do whatever I want with those 2D12 and that D20. And, yeah. So they stay, and they don't weigh anything, really, and they don't take up any space, really. You just drop them in a Ziploc bag, drop them in your jacket pocket, or, you know, if you carry a purse, drop in your purse, or if you have a, one of those cool fanny packs, like, I, I don't know, is, is New Zealand, I don't know how fanny packs are looked at in New Zealand, They've got a weird reputation in America. But regardless, you could there are ways, you could, you could places you could put that Ziploc bag with those three dice in it. And really, you don't even need those three dice, right? You could just carry a D12 and a D20, and it'll do everything you ever need. Yeah, obviously, for percentile, you're rolling the D20 twice. But either way, it, so just two dice, a D12 and a D20, and, and you can do anything you ever need. takes up no space. And then when... You know, if something's gloomy or whatever, you reach in your pocket, you feel those dice, they're like a little talisman to cheer you up. I'm glad that gave you a bit of a chuckle there, Joey. And thanks for the big tip, Jess. Um, I I definitely use those tips. Uh, and you'll see that very shortly as we go into the next section, the part that everybody's been waiting for. My little pony, my little pony, what is friendship all about? My little pony, my little pony, friendship is magic. Hey, welcome back to My Little Pony RPG, where we're playing our way through the one-shot, The Dragon's Bounty. Uh, Votes are in. Votes have been tabulated. I'm going to play a bunch of voice messages uh, very shortly, and then we'll go straight into what their choice means. Um, so four voice messages coming up. We have a first-time caller, which is very exciting. Um, the Pink Phantom called in. Now, unfortunately, the Pink Phantom's audio anchor did something dumb to it and like jumbled it a bit. But I really just still wanted to include it so they can say what they wanted in their own words. So forgive that audio and um, for being a little kind of roboty, jumbly, jumpy. Um, and no, it is not your phone or um, your 
car radio or whatever it is and sorry about that uh pink phantom i'm I'm annoyed that your call was kind of muffed um i also got a um a message on discord from kp uh, so obviously you won't hear a voice message from kp but kp sent me a flood of gifts and images and emojis uh to express their call was a lot of water waterfront parks a lot of emojis of people swimming and stuff so I'm assuming they want to go to the hotel of course um no of course it's a waterfront court um and uh yeah I I I think that's pretty much most of it so you your choices were to go to waterfront court or the hotel and I think past Julia who recorded uh the answers either way so I had them ready uh sort of explains that for you anyway um after all the calls are done. So take it away. The Pink Phantom, uh, Joey from Hindsightless, Carl from The Geomologist Presents, and Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Your votes are important to me, boys. Thanks for calling in. Hey, Jules. This is the Pink Phantom. I think the ponies should definitely go to water for court. I mean, this dragon might be angry, but it could just be scared or it could be hurt. We won't know till we get our eyes on it. That's what I think. Okay, so this this might be the first split vote we get. I'm very curious. For me, my vote, having grown up in Southern California, home of the earthquake, <laughs> I'm saying all of my training... All the instincts in my body scream, run to the open area. Don't run into a building. If you have to be in a building, stand in a door frame. But run to an open area. So waterfront court it is for me. Great stuff. I love it. I hope you keep going with this till we're done. It's getting, it's getting stressful now. Peace out. Okay, I think the option was, was it waterfront terrace? So for the ponies... You know, it'd be safe maybe to get a roof over our heads, but we really need to see this dragon, I think. I think we're at the point now, I don't know if we're ready to actually confront the dragon, but but I can't see just hiding and cowering at this point. I think we need to actually get eyes on. So, so I really think we, we should go through the streets to try to find and actually get eyes on this dragon. Um, so even though that's not the safest option, I, I think that's what I'm going to go with. We, we want to go to... Is it Waterfront Terrace? I don't remember now. I'd have to go re-listen. But we we would we, we want to go to, in the open to see see the dra- actually see the dragon. Hey, Jules. As much as danger as it would pose, I think I want to get a look at the dragon. So I would want the ponies to head to the waterfront and get a better look and see what the dragon looks like. See if maybe it's injured. Um know who our enemy is so head to the waterfront glancing close to you you see that open door leading into the foyer of a hotel it might be safer to duck inside for now but that's not where you're heading the end of the street opens up onto waterfront court a wide open area which might give you a better view of the situation and that's where you decide to go as we turn to page 41. 
Okay. You decide to get a better look at what's going on. With ponies rushing in all directions to get inside, you duck and dodge your way towards Waterfront Court, the large open area at the end of the street. From there, most of Van Hoover's main streets extend outward, so it's possible to get a good view in almost any direction. Taking care not to slip on the snow-covered ground, you quickly make it into Waterfront Court. The paved area is open to the harbour on the west side and the North Lunar Ocean stretching out beyond it. Right now, though, you're interested in the opposite direction. Making for the centre of the court, you leap up onto a ledge of the central fountain to get a bit of view. You hear another roar, longer this time, accompanied by the same great wing beats. The ground shakes once more. Is a dragon like this really able to affect such a large area by just being nearby? The thought is a scary one, but it's quickly chased out of your mind by a much bigger scarier thought the dragon itself it appears on the east horizon above the mountains of the unicorn range and even at this distance it's huge and you soon realize it's getting bigger as it gets closer the creature's dark silhouette goes from huge to completely colossal the air hums and vibrates at its approach with just one flap of its wings, the dragon descends the unicorn range and crosses to the outskirts of Van Hoover. It's coming towards you. You see its gaping jaws, teeth bigger than you are, dripping with saliva. In the back of its throat, a raging flame builds. And then it casts out a jet of fire into the sky with another mighty roar. For a moment, fear roots your hooves to the ground. We need to make mind tests for all the ponies to overcome fear. Basically, or they're going to be frightened. Okay, I took Jason's advice from last time and I do actually have dice on me permanently now. Thanks, Jace. Um, so what we're doing is mind test with difficulty four to overcome. Uh, I have their character sheets. So, okay, who's up first? Firebrand's up first. Firebrand has a mind of six. So we're going with the D6. Okay, here we go, Firebrand. Nice. Okay, Firebrand makes a five. Firebrand is a fan. Uh, thoroughly Philly, their mind is only a four so they're gonna have to roll a four and they do nice go thrilly philly not getting freaked out about a dragon all right uh strong oak is up next again not the strongest of mind looking at a d4 what are the odds of me rolling that twice not good because that was a three strong oak remains frozen in place for a short while longer, the fear gripping him even more. He eventually shakes himself out of it, but the stress causes him to lose one stamina point. So that's Strong Oak with one stamina point damage. The dragon wheels overhead, circling around the city once, twice, and then climbing high into the sky back in the direction of the Unicorn Range. The roars become more distant, and the rumbling of the ground becomes weaker. You think the dragon has passed for now. Just as a relative calm returns to Waterfront Court, there comes the sound of more commotion from the same street you first came down. 
The sounds of ponies moving at a gallop can be heard, and they seem to be yelling to each other with a sense of urgency. Quick, we have to follow it! You overhear one of them saying. As the noisy group enters the court, you get a look at them. It's a group of six ponies, two pegasi, two earth ponies, one unicorn, and in the lead is a purple alicorn, a princess. You quickly realize that she is Princess Twilight Sparkle, the princess of friendship from Ponyville. That means the other ponies must be her close friends, who are known as the heroes across Equestria. This is the main six. They seem to be in a great hurry, racing in the direction that the dragon disappeared up towards the unicorn range. You consider following them to find out what's going on, but having seen the dragon, you consider trying to prepare a bit more before chasing it. So, do you? Follow Princess Twilight and the main six, and then head to section 66? Or, do you head back to town to get a little bit more preparing in, because that was terrifying. And if you do head back to town, turn to section 11. Can't wait to hear what you do. Look out, ponies. That dragon's going to get you. And I think that's where we're going to leave it today. I have so much more I want to share with you all. Things that have happened recently gaming-wise, um, things that are going on in New Zealand, Haven's next diary entry, but this episode has gone well long enough. So there might actually be an extra episode before the next Ponies release. Uh, what? Jules is doing two in a week? Don't get excited. It might not happen, but it also might happen. So, you know, maybe get excited. Um, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say a big thank you to, uh, everybody listening out there, not just my gems. Um, I, I, I really appreciate everybody who listens to me ramble and talk crap about RPGs, um, and things that I'm passionate about. It means a lot that you're stopping in, stopping by, sharing an ear, um, and, uh, having some opinions on that. It's, it's awesome. Um, but a big personal thanks to my gems, James, Jason, Barry, Lara, and Ezekiel, KP, and Joey. You are the wind beneath my wings, uh, because apparently I'm a pegasus. <laughs> I'm an alicorn. Come on now. I'm definitely an alicorn. Anyway, um, you, you're you all awesome, and um, I don't think I could keep doing this without your constant support and just enthusiasm for what I do. Um, thank you again to my call-ins from Pink Phantom, um, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Joey from Hindsightless, and Carl from The Geomologist Presents. It's awesome that you guys are so uh, invested in the game and the podcast and stuff. Um, and also um, big thanks to the lads at the top uh, for uh, Joey and Jason for calling in when I was sad and um, trying to cheer me up with uh, various dice talk and bits and pieces. So uh, you all rock. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that I think that's pretty much me today. So inohora, kakite ano, aroha nui, mwah. And uh, I, I will see you again soon, probably sooner than I thought. Okay, bye.